Well, good morning, church. My name is uh, Jose, and I'm the worship minister here at Highland Park, and uh, I am the one assigned to bring the message to you this morning. We have been in this series uh, called Oneness, and it's uh, on our pursuit for unity uh, with the church. Uh, This is what we... um, what we have been talking about, or the first thing that we talked about was uh, Jesus' passion for unity uh, from John 17. We talked about the ministry of reconciliation that we all have to reconcile people to each other and to reconcile people to God. We talked about generational unity, about, uh, which is really important here at our church, uh, knowing how diverse our generations are. Uh, we talked about leaning on each other. And today, uh, I've been assigned as something that I was actually... Uh, not wanting to preach about, because, and this is why, I felt as, uh, I was really excited about this series, and I felt as if um, I was able to speak to so many other subjects, uh, and today I was given the issue of partiality. And the issue of partiality is not so much that you uh, hate a group of people, or you, you dislike a group of people. Partiality means that you like a group of people more than another group of people, and I am not the best at this, and this is something that I've even shared with my small group at times. My wife knows about it because she's really good at being equal to each other. Uh, and so I've struggled with this, and it was really hard for me, but I think that God works in really uh, mysterious ways to try to uh, shape us in the way of Him, to make us more like Him. And so this time, uh, I was assigned this subject, and I think that I was diving into the Word, and I'm like, man, I have way too much to learn about this subject And I just felt as if I wasn't ready because I wasn't necessarily living it out the way that Jesus would have. And so this is me, I just being vulnerable to you up front, telling you that I am not perfect specifically in this that I'm going to preach about, but God has been teaching me a lot throughout what I've been studying. And just so that I don't feel uh, left alone, I am going to try to see if there's other people that have uh, experienced uh, partiality. So, if uh, by show of hands, if you were convinced that your parents liked one of your siblings more than you, would you raise your hand? <laughs> All right, so I'm not alone on this one. Perfect, man. That would have been really awkward if you guys did. If you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand on this one, uh, it's probably because you were the favorite child in your family. I know I was the favorite child in my family. <laughs> my older sister and I used to always uh, tease each other. We would, right now we're best friends, whatever. But back in the day, uh, my sister and I would fight about almost everything. We would ask my parents uh, who was their favorite. My parents would always say, ah, we love you both the same. Um, now I go and ask my mom, Mom, uh, who's your favorite one? They say, well, your little sister is my favorite one. <laughs> like, <laughs> But they still love us uh, the same. So I'm going to, we're going to dive into the book of James. So if you can open your Bible. Uh, if you read through the book of James, you might uh, think to yourself, you know, what is this guy James thinking? He's, first of all, he's the brother of Jesus. He's writing this uh, 60 AD, around that age. And uh, you're thinking, what is James thinking about right here? Because you're reading, and it's talking about trials and tribulation. And then he jumps into talking about humility. And then he talks about prayer. And then he talks about sin. And then he talks a little bit more about prayer and about other things. And you're like, man, does he have a theme in mind? But the more I read uh, this book, and, and I'm like, man, I'm just trying to find out what it is that James was thinking at the time that he was writing this. 
I figure out that it is found on James chapter 2. Whatever he has in his mind, whatever he's writing to the churches at that time is found in James chapter 2. And so let's dive into James chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith. And that's key right there. So if you highlight on your Bible or anything, highlight that little phrase that says, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing, this is that little example that he gives, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, what you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions amongst yourself? And listen to this. It says, and have you not become judges with evil thoughts. Is this, this is a little hard. So is this not, though, what we do sometimes? You know, if you have a friend, really close friend, that uh, comes to you and says, tells you, like, hey, I've been struggling with this. This, this has been uh, really heavy on my heart. Um, I'm going, or they tell you, hey, I'm going through a divorce. Or, hey, I am struggling financially because this just happened in my family. Or, hey, I am not able to find a job. Would you not sit down and listen to that person? Of course you would. If he's your good friend, if you're a good friend to that person, you would listen to that person. But you come off uh, the highway and you come out and you stop at the traffic light and you see another man uh, sitting there at the crossing and he's basically trying to tell you the same thing, right? He puts it on a cardboard. He's telling you what he's struggling with and he tells you that he has all these problems and what do we do? Maybe if you are better than me, you stop and you try to help that person, to listen to that person, to give them maybe uh, your Chick-fil-A sandwich that you just bought. Whatever it is that you want to do to help that person or to at least listen to that person, you do it. But some of us struggle with that. And I think that the reason why we struggle is because there's this tension between helping a man who's telling you that he's in need and not knowing how to help that person. Is that not right? That we say, man... We start judging that person and we start creating evil thoughts and making assumptions in our heads about what that person needs to do and how that person needs to become more like us, right? Man, if that person could only, you know, like work a little bit harder, that person knew how to manage their money like I do, you know, if that person would stop uh, smoking and buying alcohol like I do, they would not be in this position. And so what do we do? We ignore that person. We marginalize. We show partiality towards who we listen. And I think that the first thing, the very first thing that James wants to teach us in this passage is to listen to people. And that is in your notes right there if you want to write it down. It's to listen to people. So the issue right here that James is talking about is not so much about diving into what it is that we need to do for people in need. It is about, instead, it is about listening to people. It is about being there for them. We don't always have to give them money or anything like that. And that is not what James is diving into. He's saying, don't show partiality. If you would do something for your friend over here, why wouldn't you take the time to at least listen to this guy over here? Can we do that? And I think that James is talking right here about the distinction that the people back then made between poor people and rich people, you know. They come to the church, and this is what the church is seeing. They see a person that is coming in, and they have fine clothing, and you can tell that they have a lot of money. Well, of course, man, come and sit over here. I know that you tithe really good. You're going to pay the bills. You're going to uh, give me my bonus at the end of the year because you tithe really well. 
and then the poor people uh, go to the sidelines. And on the same way, they have people that they marginalize, that they ignore. And those are, uh, sometimes it's even tax collectors. You know, uh, there was the Samaritans. There was women uh, in general that they marginalized, that they ignored. But in our day and age, sometimes we probably choose different people that we ignore. One of them is homeless people. That's for sure. Another group of people that we tend to ignore, um, especially the Christian church in so many places, is uh, the LGBT community. And uh, I just want to, I just can't picture in my mind what would happen if somebody would walk in here. And would you, I, I want to assume the best of everybody, but I think that sometimes it's really hard for us to just, you know, see a person that is different than us and go to that person, reach out to that person, love on that person and being, hey, come and sit here with my family. That would be really hard, wouldn't it, sometimes? But yeah, that's what Jesus is calling us to. Another group of people that is uh, marginalized and ignored, and it's a group of people that I can particularly talk to, talk about, is illegal immigrants. And I know that so many, uh, for obvious reasons, they don't come out and uh, ask for them to, for the government to give them something. They don't come out saying, I'm an illegal immigrant on billboards, saying that, hey, I want this, uh, I've been working so hard, I pay taxes because the government takes it anyways from my salary. And we start uh, making all these judgments in our heads about thinking like maybe uh, you should go back to your country. And we start thinking these things that James says, that we have become judges with evil thoughts. And those are just some of the groups of people that we sometimes discriminate against. And I don't know what it is for you, but maybe for some of you guys sitting here uh, that go to high school, middle school, maybe you have those kids in your school, right? Uh, that are just weird. Is that not true? That maybe you're the weird one. Uh, and some people marginalize you. So you know what it feels, you know. But there's always a chance for you, even if you feel like you're the one that's ignored, there's always a chance for you to go and reach out for somebody else, is there not? And that is what Jesus, and that is what James is telling us to, to do right here. The second thing that I think God is trying to teach us in this passage is to beware, is to be careful of what we do. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read from verse 8. And it says this, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. If you do this, it says that you are doing well. Okay, we do that sometimes, right? We just have the day of serving. But let's read ahead, and it says this. But if you show partiality, then you are committing, committing sin. So highlight that, put an arrow to partiality, and say, if you show partiality, you are committing sin, and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Man, this is heavy stuff right here. I think that we don't usually think about partiality in this way. And first of all, uh, loving your neighbor, I think that we throw that word around a lot. Uh, my wife, she... Um, she likes uh, cats so much. I, I don't like cats at all. Uh, first of all, I'm allergic. But if she sees a cat uh, just walking on the street, she says, and this is true, uh, she's like, oh my gosh, kitty, I love you, kit. I, I love you, kitten. I love you. Come on, love me, whatever. And anyways, 
I'm like, Sammy, it took you about a year and a half to tell me that you love me. <laughs> you, <laughs> you see a cat that can't even talk to you. I spent like hundreds of dollars on dates. Tireless hours planning how to do something different. And you see a kitten just walking around and you tell him the same thing you love you told me after a year and a half. So we throw that word out a lot, don't we? We say, hey man, I you have a bite of a delicious pizza and you're like, man, I love this pizza. Man, I love those flowers. But God is calling us to not just love by saying something. He's saying, man, love people. Really care for people. Don't just say that you love something. Go out, reach out for those people. And then he says, but if you show partiality that you only love one group of people more than the other, that you ignore completely uh, homeless people, that you ignore completely uh, illegal immigrants, people in the LGBT community, then you're showing partiality and you're committing sin. That is heavy stuff. Now I'm going to keep reading. It says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This sounds a a little bit like what Jesus said in Matthew 5. That he said that if you're angry with your brother, it's almost as if you had committed murder in your heart. That if you lost after a woman, it's as if you had committed adultery with her in your heart. And what James is saying here is not, he's not saying that it is the very same thing that you steal a penny or that you steal a pen from the person sitting right next to you because it's really pretty. As if you commit murders, he's not saying that it's the very same thing. He's saying that whether you steal that pen or you commit murder, whether you show partiality or commit adultery, you're breaking the fellowship that you have with God. And that is a bigger deal than distinguishing between what sin is greater than the other one. So if we are to have this fellowship with God, we first have to demonstrate that we can also have a fellowship with each other. If we want to have this fellowship with God, we also have to demonstrate that we can go where Jesus would have gone. And I think that we, we do that very often where we say, Man, I don't want to go to, to that part of town. Why? Why you say? Because it's, it's what? It's bad. That's a bad part of town. If you remember a few weeks ago, Brian uh, taught us a really significant message about who the real enemy is. The real enemy is not the people that live in that part of town. And if you think that that is a bad part of town, maybe it means that you need to go and take Jesus to that part of town. So can we first of all start taking that uh, out of our vocabulary, saying that's a bad part of town, and just saying, man, maybe we should do something for that, for the, the people that live around that area. Maybe we should change our vocabulary. Maybe we should change a little bit our, our way of thinking, because the way that we think is like, man, we're going to stay away from there. And what Jesus would have said, he would have said, let's go to that same exact spot. So if you want to be followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes it takes following him to those parts of town. Am I right? I am right. Anyways. (laughs) He continues. This is uh, my third point. And it is this. It says, 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, and what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I think that we so uh, commonly misread uh, the passage in Ephesians 2.8. You know, we might read it well, but we misinterpret it sometimes. Where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so we take a passage like this and we say, Man, I have faith in God. I don't need to do anything. Right? It is so easy for us to just seal our relationship and our fellowship with Jesus Christ and our salvation by just saying that all we need is faith and not demonstrate it in any other way. I think that what James is trying to tell us is this, that the real fruit of your salvation is the works that you have, and that is demonstrated when you take care of people. And, and I, I want to be grateful because... I have seen the good works that the people here have done. And Day of Serving was a great example of it. I've seen you guys praying for people that need prayer. I mean, I've seen you caring for people that need to, uh, that can't take communion. You take communion to them, to the hospitals. And I've seen you uh, showing good works here at the church. So I don't want to undersell you by saying that you're not doing anything good because Highland Park, you really are. But I think that it is time for us to probably push ourselves a little bit harder like I said earlier, this is a topic that's really difficult for me because I am the kind of person that, that sometimes might have looked at a homeless person and just drove by. And after studying this text, I feel more convicted every time that I drive by and I'm going straight to church because sometimes they stand over here on 31st and Yale. Right? It's a difficult topic, guys. And I think that our good works can be pushed a little farther than what is comfortable to us, you know? Maybe for you it takes uh, to just go and volunteer to the 220 Center because that is not on your comfort zone. But I know that some, so many times they're needing people to come help out, to load and unload things, and to reach out to people and to love on those people. And that's maybe something really practical that we can do. And I know that for me it's probably really easy to... Um, to reach out to the illegal immigrants. Not because I am one, because I am not, but, <laughs> but because I, um, I have listened to them. And maybe that's the first step that you need to take towards, towards this, is to listen to a person. I used to work at a, at a Mexican restaurant, and uh, I wish I, I could all still work there because I got free food. <laughs> but... <laughs> I got to listen to this guy. I was, uh, I had no idea how many illegal immigrants I worked with. So you might also be surprised how many there are around you, by the way. But I, I worked at this restaurant and I was giving a ride to this guy. And I was driving him into a parking lot uh, of his apartment complex. And he told me, no, hold on, hold on. I just keep driving for a little bit. I'm like, what? Why? He said, do you see those vans behind us? They were left some white 15-passenger uh, vans, like from a church or something. And he said, 
Well, the first three times that they took me back to Mexico, they took me some of those, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> they took you back to Mexico three times? And, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I was, at that point, I'm like, getting scared. I'm like, what if I get pulled over? And I'm like, driving a guy that's an illegal immigrant. And then and another time, I found out that another one of my co-workers was an illegal immigrant because uh, somebody called him a different name than what he uh, used to be named at the, at the job. And so I'm like, wait, why did they call you that? Is that your middle name? And they're like, no, that's my, my real name. My fake name is the one that I give to the job. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm completely just as surprised. And I got to listen to their stories. And I heard of this guy that came to the United States. And you might think, man, they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I think that too. Trust me. That they came to the United States after I sat down with them. They said uh, that they came because they had a daughter. And they wanted to uh, provide schooling for them. Because in certain uh, parts of town in Mexico, uh, there might not be, let's say, a high school. There might not be a college. And it is even harder to obtain uh, financial aid or anything of that sort for uh, somebody to obtain education. And so he was trying to come to the United States to be able to pay for the education of his daughter. And I know that there's all these political issues uh, behind all of this. And I know that if he was a devoted Christian and I was to tell him what he should do as a Christian, I would tell him to, to go back and do it the right way. But my job was not to be judged of what he was doing. My job first and foremost was to be a Christian. And for you, sometimes uh, I think that I've seen it sometimes, maybe not here, but I, I've heard it, that people put the, their nationality or their patriotism before they put their Christianity. They say, no, I'm not going to talk to those uh, people because they shouldn't be here. I'm not going to do this because uh, for America. You know, and it's so easy for us to become like that. I think that the best way that we can honor Jesus Christ is by going to those places where we, he would have done. So my third point is this, is to act. It's to do something. If you want to write it down there, it's to act, to go to people, to reach out, to tell others about Jesus Christ, about what he has done for them to go to those bad parts of town and maybe bring waters and sandwiches and just sit down with the people that are just sitting at a corner and just listen to their stories. Or maybe you're on your way to, to IHOP and you're like, hey, man, why don't you uh, hop in my car and let's go to IHOP? <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, and you take them and you have a meal with them. Uh, and that was a little belated. But... And you have a meal with them, and you listen to their story. There is absolute power in stories, is there not? What is your story? Your story is that you were the marginalized. Your story is that you were that person that was ignored. Your story was that you were that person that had no hope, that had problems, that you probably didn't have it on a cardboard sign. But you had all these problems and Jesus Christ came and he gave you hope. And he came and reached out to you even if you live in a bad part of town. And maybe that is what we need to do as Christians, right? 
to take Jesus Christ because he has come to us. And we don't do that very often. But I think that it is our job and it is our duty. Some missionary goes to uh, on a mission trip and he finds out the need in this small town. And he goes back to the United States and he finds out that he has so much wealth in America that maybe he doesn't need this car to be this fancy, that maybe he doesn't need that extra bedroom in his house or that pool in his backyard, that he could go to buy a house that's half the price, that he could sell his car and start riding his bicycle to save money for gas. And he takes all this money that he accumulated and starts missions across. And he takes everything that he sacrificed to give it to those people that needed to hear Jesus Christ at a church that they had none. And that maybe they needed Bibles and he goes and he sacrifices absolutely everything that he has for other people. And so he takes uh, food, he takes uh, provisions, and he tells a pastor to, to share this with the people around the surrounding towns, the people that lived in that particular area. What is the best way that this pastor can honor the sacrifice that the missionary has done? The best way that this pastor can honor the sacrifice of the missionary is by doing exactly what the missionary told him, right? To share the wealth, everything that this missionary had sacrificed, to give it away to other people, to not just keep it for himself, could it so easily could have been that this pastor could have just kept everything and just built himself a mega church and have his house be super wealthy and nice. And isn't that the same thing for us? That the best way that we can honor this amazing gift that we have been given by Jesus Christ is to share with other people. He sacrificed absolutely everything, not just to bring it to us, so we can just keep it to ourselves, so that we can, but so that we can take it to other people, so we can reach out and listen to the marginalized, so that we can go to the homeless, so that we can go to the illegal immigrants, the LGBT community, the weird kids at school, teenage pregnancy ladies, people that are addicted to substances, anybody that is just left out of the community, that people don't go to, that people reject, that people judge. Those are the people that we need to take. Jesus Christ, this amazing gift that has been given to us. And you might find out something even more amazing. That whenever you go to help out people, sometimes you are blessed even more than the people that you are trying to bless. It has been incredible for me that find out that every single time that I, I reach out to a person that's in need, um, homeless person there's not been another time when I feel closer to God than when I go without anybody watching and just go and talk to a person that's in need of somebody listening and so I want to dare you it becomes a little bit addictive to be in the presence of God when you go and reach out for somebody else and this is what we have in Jesus Christ that sometimes we are blessed more uh, this past spring break, we had a, a mission trip to Honduras, and it was an amazing experience. Um, and I had a little video journal just 
what I had in my heart because uh, it was so amazing that we came with an agenda of doing a soccer camp because they had no resources. And we're going to help these kids out, right? But we were there, and I feel like everybody that went uh, can agree with me that we were the ones that were blessed the most. And so here's a little bit of what happened in the mission trip. Spring break of 2017, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Honduras. And one of the things that we notice about the people there is their hospitality. Um, at some point, one of the men in the village invited us to his home. He gave us coffee and he allowed us to sit down for a while. We also saw it in the children uh, at the school where we were working at. Uh, we saw them. Every time they had something to share, they would. Then at some point, a girl brought me one of the, her cookies. Another girl brought me one of her drinks after she had drank out of it. They brought you letters when they had nothing left to give you and nothing left to share with you. They would just give you the biggest hug they could. What a valuable lesson of what uh, we can do as Christians to give Jesus everything we have. One of the things a, a little girl from the school shared with me was a, was a letter uh, that said, God loves you, just have faith and everything will go well with you. Then she quoted Psalm 23 saying, God is my shepherd and I shall not want. This came from a little girl that lives in a village where windows are a commodity, houses have no doors, their, their roofs are not solid and they're built out of laminate. Small village with no running water. But yes, she was encouraging me, encouraging me and saying, if you have faith, it will go well with you. So one of the things that I learned out from Duras is that people are not blessed because they have money, because they have riches, because they have big houses or cars, is that people are blessed when they have other people. People are blessed the most when they have Jesus in them. It was an amazing trip, trip but it was uh, really incredible that when we went, went there, the, it was them that were giving us things. We thought that we were bringing all these soccer balls and things for them that they didn't have. And then they come and they invite us to their houses. We went to just a small store uh, where they sold little groceries or little snacks. And they invite us inside their house to have coffee. Um, you know, we would have thought that, man, they don't even have resources to be giving coffee away, but they did that. Uh, there was some kids that uh, brought me chips like almost every day uh, from Honduras. And uh, whenever they had nothing left, uh, they gave you the biggest hug, right? And it was amazing. So it is that tension that we live in that we don't know how to help people. But I think that the biggest thing that we can do for people is to just be there for them. We don't necessarily have to give them money, uh, resources, uh, you know, food necessarily. If you have it, absolutely do it. But the best thing that we can do for people is to be there for them and to bring them Jesus. This is exactly the reason why I became a minister of the gospel. To reach out to people that are ignored, to the marginalized, and even I sometimes get so caught up in the ministry of here at Highland Park, I get so caught up in the program of Sunday mornings and what I need to do and what I need to plan that I forget that the very same, re the very 
first reason why I became a minister full-time was because I wanted to bring Jesus to those that are ignored. And so my challenge for you is to find one group of people that you usually pass by, one group of people that you looked away from whenever you see them. And instead of stepping away, go towards them, walk to them, and ask them, how are you? Introduce yourselves. It's that easy. And it can lead to a big, a big conversation. And who knows, maybe they'll come to accept Jesus Christ because of what you did for them. Can we do that as a church? This is what Jesus Christ has not only called me as a minister, but he has called you as ministers of reconciliation. So can we do that and bring unity to our church? Would you pray with me? Father, give us the boldness. It is scary sometimes to go out of our comfort zone and go to those who we usually ignore, Father. And Lord, we are first and foremost thankful that you have not ignored our plea for a Savior, Father, but that you have given absolutely everything for us. Lord, help us be your hands. Help us be your feet. Help us be your gospel everywhere we go. It is in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing this?